Welcome to the NECF Podcast, where we share our weekly sermons and faithfully interpret the Bible to encourage and direct you on your spiritual path. Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, because of your unbelief, because of your unwillingness to believe what God has done, what God has said, what God has established, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was what? It wasn't so. Hallelujah. From the beginning, it wasn't so. That was not the plan of God. That wasn't the intention of God from the beginning. It wasn't so. We are devoted pastors and special guests delving into the depths of the Bible, exploring its profound lessons and useful applications for your daily life. Join us as we explore the timeless truth that have the power to change people's hearts and minds, promoting a closer relationship with God and a firm belief in His our ministry is to proclaim that God in Christ has forgiven sins. That in Christ we have forgiveness. Hallelujah. And this has been our conversation in this season. The forgiveness of sins. And for you to be able to preach that message adequately, eloquently, with confidence and understanding, you have to understand what forgiveness is. And we have been saying that, you know, without understanding forgiveness, it becomes difficult for you to fellowship with God properly. It, it affects your fellowshipping with God without understanding what God has done in Christ. You know, it affects our fellowship with him. It affects the way we approach God. Approach God. It affects the way we commune with God. It affects the way we relate with God. And also without this knowledge you know, it our fellowship with one another is affected. Our relationship with each other is affected. And obviously, we can't properly preach. That is why people go about preaching visions, you know, preaching about things that are not actually required. They preach a form of repentance that is not repentance, that is needed for salvation. They teach a form of faith that is not the faith that saves. So our goal in this church is to train men, as our vision and mission says, is to train men, to raise men and women that will be efficient in transforming their nations, transforming their societies, transforming their environment, transforming, you know, this generation with the words of the gospel. Hallelujah. And in first, second Timothy chapter 4, first, second Timothy chapter 4, from verse 1. Paul here was charging Timothy a man that has been called to this ministry of teaching and preaching the gospel. He says, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick, that is, the living, those who are alive, and the dead, at his appearing and his kingdom. Verse 2. Media team, please, we need to be fast today. Verse 2. Verse 2. Preach the word. And I was telling the pastors this morning, I said, this is an instruction. It's not a suggestion. You have to preach the word. In season and what? Be instant in season. That means be ready in season and out of season. So when an opportunity arises, you don't try to say, I'm, I'm not prepared. You know. In season, And out of season, reproof, rebuke. This is what 
preaching. This is what it happens in the preaching and teaching. Reproof, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. So what I do here entails a lot of long-suffering. Which means that for you to hear me as well, verse 3, for the time will come when they will not endure. So not only, it's not only you that is enduring this teaching. As I am also enduring the teaching of the word, it takes endurance for you to also listen, learn, and practice. For a time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves. Teach us having itching ears. Verse 4. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. Verse 5, the last verse. But watch out, watch thou in all things and endure affliction. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full, that is finish the work of your ministry. Hallelujah. So I just want to indulge you to be, be prepared with your writing parts. And engage in what we are doing. And I trust God that God is empowering us with knowledge and wisdom to go about doing what he has called us to do. Hallelujah. So, a bit of a recap from last week. If you are new, you can listen to the tapes recorded previously. From last week, you know, we asked a question, why do we need forgiveness? And we said sin is the reason for forgiveness. Sin is a reason for forgiveness. And we concluded that Jesus is a solution for the sin of man. And we asked the question, how then was sin forgiven before the coming of the of Jesus Christ, because Jesus had to come and died for the forgiveness of sin. So we are trying to understand, okay, what, how was sin forgiven before Jesus came to accomplish the work of salvation before his sacrificial work was accomplished? How were the men of old forgiven? How was Abel forgiven? How was Noah forgiven? How was Abraham and Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David how were these men made righteous? And to answer this question, we examine the forgiveness of sin before the introduction of the law. And we elaborated how forgiveness is received before the law. We said the law refers to Moses and Mount Sinai, right? The Ten Commandments God gave after the children of Israel come out of Egypt. And other instructions to guide the people their way of living. So we concluded that righteousness, which is the forgiveness of sins. Righteousness, which is the forgiveness of sins. Before the law is obtained through faith in the word of God. We saw clearly that God made people righteous as a result of their faith. And a typical example was Abraham. The Bible says, and Abraham believed God. And it was recorded to him as what? As righteousness. Righteousness means that person has been forgiven and reconciled with God. So before the Ten Commandments, before the introduction of the law, men were forgiven true faith in the word of God. The people believe God's word and offer sacrifices for the forgiveness of their sins. And the offerings of sacrifices is an expression of belief in God's word. It's been grace all along. Hallelujah. It's been grace all along. So today we'll be talking about forgiveness of sins under the law. Alright? When the law was introduced, how was forgiveness of sins obtained under the dispensation of the law? Because this will help us to understand you know, how we have been forgiven and how we can teach and preach God's forgiveness, which is our ministry and our office. Now, 
Why the law? What, why, why did the law? Why did God introduce the law? The purpose of the law. What was the purpose of the law? Now, first and foremost, the law was given. Listen to this. If I'm writing, the law was given to show transgressions until the coming of the Messiah. The law was given to show sin, to expose sin until the coming of the Messiah. Now, since the Israelites refused to believe the gospel, the law was introduced to reveal to them their transgression. You know, the gospel was preached to the men of old and also to the children of Israel. And they said, no, 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 we, we don't want to believe this. We, 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 to not believe the gospel simply means they are righteous. They are self-righteous. We don't have sin issue. We don't have a sin issue. Then God introduced a mechanism by which it will show to them, right, that they are, they are sinful. That they need forgiveness of their sins. They need, you know, that their issue be dealt with. Give me Hebrews, the first scripture, Hebrews chapter 3 verse 16. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 16 to 19. For some, when they had heard, they did provoke. Give me New King James, okay? Give me New King James. For who, having heard, rebelled. For who, having heard, rebelled, indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt, led by Moses? Now, with whom was he angry? Forty years. Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? Verse 18. And to whom did he swear that they will not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of what? Because of unbelief. The message was preached concerning forgiveness of sins that is based on faith in what God has done or what God is doing or what God will do and they choose not to believe. Jump to chapter 4. The next passage, chapter 4, verse 1. So we see, yes, chapter 4, verse 1, quickly. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, when the Lord knew, Hebrews, not John. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Verse 2. For indeed, the gospel, the gospel, which is a good news concerning the forgiveness of sins, was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who had it. So they couldn't believe the message. They couldn't receive the message with faith. Therefore, they couldn't benefit from it. Hallelujah. So the law was introduced to reveal to them their transgressions. Galatians chapter 3 verse 19. Galatians chapter 3 verse 19. Galatians 3 19. What purpose then does the law serve? What purpose does the law serve? It was added. Hallelujah. Now added simply means that there was something, right? Then something was added. When I say it was added, simply means that there was something on ground. And what was on ground is salvation through faith. So since they did not believe the salvation through faith, law, the law was added. It was added because of what? It was added because of transgression. And this transgression is unbelief. The people refused to believe the message. Now, it was added because of transgressions till the seed should come. Now, when you see seed, you should go back to Genesis chapter 3. You see where God declared about the seed of the woman. Hallelujah. Not seed, but the seed, definite. Talking about one seed, which is Jesus Christ. Now, it was added because of transgression till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. So the law was given to, 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 to show forth transgression. It was added because of transgression. If they had believed like their ancestors, Abraham, there would not have been need for the law. Amen? 
if the children of Israel had believed the message just as Abraham believed and their ancestors previously, there wouldn't have been need for the Ten Commandments. Amen? Listen, Joseph lived before the Ten Commandments, isn't it? So how did he know that fornication is sin in the house of Potiphar? The law wasn't written. Genesis was not written. Exodus was not written. Leviticus was not written. How did he know that it's a sin? Right? To have sex outside marriage. Because the law was written in his heart. He has an understanding of this through relationship with God. So there wouldn't have been need for the law to enumerate the do's and the don'ts to show for the see there is a tendency in you that is wicked. There is a tendency in you that is ungodly. So, there wouldn't have been the need for the law. Jesus told the Pharisees that Moses permitted them because of the hardness of their hearts, because of unbelief. But it was not so in the beginning. Matthew chapter 19 verse 1 to 8. When they came to him with a question concerning divorce. And the issue of divorce was, was not God's intent. It was Moses, right? Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these sayings that he departed from Galilee and came to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And a great multitude followed him and, behaved, and, and he healed them there. Yes, verse 2. The Pharisees also come to him. Now, look at what the Pharisees do. They came to test him. Testing him and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? For just any reason? Verse 4. And he answered them and said, Have you not read? Have you not read? That he who met them at the beginning. The beginning is referring to where? Genesis, right? The beginning is referring to Genesis chapter 2. Have you not read that he who met them at the beginning met them male and female? And said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. They said to him, why then did Moses? So you see, first of all, God did not constitute, it was never the will of God for divorce. So look at what they asked him. Say, then, why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? And Jesus said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, because of your unbelief, because of your unwillingness to believe what God has done, what God has said, what God has established, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was what? It wasn't so. Hallelujah. From the beginning, it wasn't so. That wasn't the plan of God. That wasn't the intention of God from the beginning. It wasn't so. Amen. So the Bible says that the power of sin is in the law. The Bible says the power of sin is in the law. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 56. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 56. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 56, yes. The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is what? Is the law. Sin gets its power from the law. What that means is that the law amplifies or reveals sin. Amen? The law amplifies and brings about the knowledge of sin. The law was not meant to be kept. Amen? Listen to this carefully. The law was not meant to be kept because no man can keep all that is written in the book of the law. No man has in himself the capacity to obey all the laws. Even the giver of the law did not keep the law. Even Moses gave the law himself. He broke the law. Practical example about intermarriage. He married an African. Amen. So the law was not meant to be, to be kept. Men cannot keep the law on their own. 
But the law introduces all the law revealed to man is helplessness. Galatians chapter 3, verse 10. Galatians 3, verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under curse, for it is written, Curse is everyone who does not continue in some. Is, did you say some? Do not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So if you look at all the Ten Commandments, have you obeyed all of them since the way you were born? You read Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, and down to all the laws Moses gave. Have you obeyed all of them? Even the one that talks about, in fact, the simplest one, all of us here, by the judgment of Moses, we are all condemned because our clothes are a mixture of wool and what? And cotton, right? So we've disobeyed the law. And if you we, if we, if we don't obey one, it's equivalent to disobeying all. Hallelujah. So by the law of Moses, right, all of us are condemned. Amen? So then who can be saved? Who, who can really be forgiven? Who can really have a relationship with God if it's based on the law? You know, some people can just tick, pick, tick, take some of the laws of Moses and then this is our doctrine. You know, you must not wear clothes that belongs to women. Men will not wear the clothes that belongs to women and women don't wear it. It's all right. But what about the one of farming where you don't do mixed cropping? It's also in the law of Moses. Don't plant this and this together, right? So you choose the one you obey. And then the rest are not necessary. Hallelujah. So it is impossible for man to keep the law. Romans of the 3 verse 10. Romans 3 verse 10 to 12. Romans of the 3 verse 10 to 12. As it is written, therefore none is righteous. The context of this righteousness is in the view of the law. Amen. None is righteous, not one. No, not one. Verse 11. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all torn aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. None. Now the requirement of the law was only fulfilled in Christ Jesus. Amen. We say that no one can keep the law, but the law was fulfilled in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 8, verse 3 to 4. All the requirements of the law fulfilled in Christ Jesus. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh on the account of sin. This is the account to which Jesus came. On the account of sin. Hallelujah. He condemns sin in the flesh. Verse 4. That the righteous requirements, see, all the requirements of the law, our incapacity to obey the law, see, that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in where? In where? In us. Right? Last week we saw that the law was not bad. There's nothing wrong with the law. The law is perfect, but they that keep the law are the imperfect people, isn't it? So, the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who work not according to what? To the flesh, but according to the spirit. But according to the spirit. Hallelujah. And any man in Christ is a man of the spirit. is a man in the spirit. So, if you receive Jesus Christ, what it means is that you have fulfilled all the requirements of the law by faith. Amen? So, the fulfillment of the law, the requirements of the law is faith. In Christ Jesus. So the law was not was meant to bring awareness of sin. Man became corrupt when he sinned, but until the law was introduced, the corruption of man was not revealed. Until the law, the corruption of man was not revealed. Where there is law, sin increases, isn't it? Where there is law, sin increases. If today you declare that, you know, eating a certain food is a crime, 
believe me, crime rate will increase in that environment. Amen? In records, you see that crime rate is high. Because people will violate it because it's now a law. Not that law has revealed the inefficiency of people in that aspect. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 5 verse 20. Romans chapter 5 verse 20 and 21. Moreover, the law entered that what? That offense might abound. That means that offense, offense here simply means sin. Sin means unbelief. That offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Hallelujah. Grace abounded much more. Grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so, grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. So Jesus Christ becomes a solution to the problem of sin. Amen. Now let's move to the next one because of time. Secondly, now we've seen that the sin, right? The law was given to show transgression until the coming of the Messiah, isn't it? Now the law, secondly, second point, the law was a schoolmaster meant to point to Jesus Christ. Since sin has been revealed in the composition of the law, it points to Jesus Christ as a solution to the problem of man. First of all, the law is a mirror, right? That reveals the inefficiency in man. And not only that, it reveals your inefficiency. It, it reveals your, your corruption. It reveals your inability to be made right with God on your own. It not points you to a man, Jesus Christ, who has the capacity to make you right with God. Hallelujah. So the law reveals our helplessness by imprisoning us in sin. Under the law, sin has dominion over us. Romans chapter 6 verse 14. I've jumped. Romans chapter 6 verse 14. Romans 6 14. The intent was that under the trap and tyranny of sin, men might cry for the Messiah. The purpose of the law was to make us aware of our helplessness and to see that the only way out of it is the grace of God. The only way for sin to be dealt with is by God himself. Romans 6, 14. What does it say? It says, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. It simply means that if you are under the law, sin will have dominion over you. But if you receive salvation, sin will no longer have dominion over you because you are not under a master that is sin. So Apostle Paul described the law as our schoolmaster. A schoolmaster means a teacher, a tutor, a governor, a guidant that drives us to Christ. A proper study of the law will reveal Christ to you. Amen? A proper understanding of the Old Testament scriptures as we call them will reveal Christ to you as a solution to sin. If at the end of the study of the Old Testament text, you arrive at a point of rules and regulation. It simply means that you didn't study it properly. It means that you didn't apply it properly. It means that you are distracted. The proper study of Leviticus will reveal Christ to you. A proper study of Exodus will reveal Christ to you. The proper study of Deuteronomy will reveal Christ to you. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 3, verse 24. Galatians 3, 24. Therefore, the law was our tutor, a teacher, right? To bring us to where? To regulations, to rules. To rules and regulations, to do's and don'ts. To bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Amen? So when you look at the law internally, it will bring you to a place where you see Christ. And through Christ... You are set free by faith. You are justified. You are made free by faith. Chapter 4, verse 1 to 5. Galatians chapter 4, verse 1 to 5. Now I say that the heir, 
as long as he is a child, does not differ from at all from a slave. Though he is a master of all. Verse 2. But he is under guidance and stewards until the time appointed by the father. Now the conversation here is talking about the law. Even so, we, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time has come, you know, when we're singing about the appointed year of the Lord, this is what it's, it's, it's about. Hallelujah. It's not, it's not talking about a day of your deliverance. Amen. It's not talking about ah, this year is your year. He's talking about, but when the fullness of time has come, the day we are to declare, the appointed day of the Lord that we are to declare is the day that Jesus Christ has judged our sins. Amen? That is the appointed day of the Lord. But when the fullness of time has come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, under what? Under the law. Amen? Under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. That we might receive adoptions as sons. Amen. So the law becomes a schoolmaster, a tutor, a teacher that leads us to who? To Christ. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 1. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 1. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year. Make those who approach perfect, right? It's a shadow. And a shadow only reveals an image of the original. So in the study of the law, it brings us to the revelation of the authentic, which is Christ. Hallelujah. Now the law was not meant to remain forever. When Moses introduced the law... The law was not meant to stay forever. It was temporal. To end when Christ came. Galatians 3 verse 23 to 25. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law. Right? Before faith came. That means before Jesus Christ comes and died, Right? Um, and, and fulfill the demands of the law, we were kept under the law as what? As a guide, leading us to what he will do. Kept for the faith which will be afterwards be revealed. Verse 24, yes. Therefore, the law was our tutor to what? To bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. 25. But after faith has come, what happened? After faith has come, what happened? We can no longer be under a tutor. That means that we no longer be under the law. The law no longer is our, uh, the, the sin is no longer our master. We are no longer under the law, but under grace. And grace is faith. Hallelujah. Amen. Romans chapter 10 verse 1 to 4 also amplifies this reality. Romans chapter 10, verse 1 to 4. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for God, for Israel, is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to the to knowledge. Yes, for they have been ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. This was who they were, right? For Christ is what? What is Christ? Christ is the termination of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Amen? So for everyone who believes, the law ends to, to, to have, you know, he, he's no longer under the dominion of the law. For Moses writes about the righteousness. So when you read the law, what do you see? For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. Amen? So that the man who does these things shall live by them. But Christ is the end of the law. Hallelujah. So we see, we saw in that passage previously in Galatians chapter 3 verse 19. The use of the word added referring to the law implies that something already existed before the law. Tell, it tells us that the law was an addition to the Abrahamic covenant. The promise of salvation through Christ. There will have been no need for the law to be 
to, to the Israelites, if they had believed the gospel like Abraham, their ancestor did. However, the word till in Galatians 3.19 suggests that the law has an end. The function of the law was temporal until the arrival of Christ the Messiah. Hallelujah. Now, do we now understand the purpose for the law? Amen? With these few points of mind, have you been convinced beyond doubt? Because, see, the essence of biblical teachings is to show evidence. Amen? It's to prove from scripture that what assertion we are making is true. Now, with this study, have we come to a point to understand that the law has ended when Christ appeared? Amen? Have we come to that conclusion? All right. Good. Now, how then? Now, it's now I started my preaching for today. How is forgiveness of sins obtained under the law? How is the forgiveness of sins obtained under the law? Under the law, forgiveness of sin is conditional to what people must do. Amen? Since God said believe, they refuse to believe. Right? Since God says, see, I've done it, believe in what I'm doing or what I will do. They say, no, 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 we don't want to. It's too good to be true. At least let's do something. That's what religion teaches. Right? Let's do something. At least, uh, let, it, let me contribute to what. Let me have a stake in what God is doing. But God says, I have done it. But man refuses and chooses to have his own way. So under the law, forgiveness of sins is conditional. We have a conditional forgiveness of sins. That is based on what man must do. Since they have rejected the righteousness that is by grace through faith. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So you hear of a scripture, Second Chronicles 6, verse 21 to 28. 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 21 to 28. Quickly, we'll read it, we'll just read it quite quickly. And may you hear, hallelujah, and may you hear the supplication of your servants and of your people Israel when they pray towards this place. Hear from your dwelling place, and when you hear, do what? Forgive. Which means that forgiveness is based on a man praying. Amen? Under the law, forgiveness is based on praying. The next verse. If anyone sins against his neighbor and is forced to take an oath and comes and takes an oath before your altar in this temple. The next verse. Then hear from heaven and act and judge your servants. Bring it retribution on the wicked by bringing his way on his own head and justifying the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. <laughs> Verse 24. Oh, or if your people Israel are defeated before an enemy because they have what? Because they have what? They have sinned against you and return. Now you see, conditions for forgiveness under the law. And they what? They return. And do what? And confess what? Your name. And pray. They have to pray. They have to turn. They have to confess. And they have to pray. And make supplication before you in the temple. Then what would God do? Verse 25. Then hear from heaven and do what? And forgive the sin of your people Israel. And bring them back to the land which you gave them and their fathers. Conditional forgiveness. Verse 26. When the heavens are shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against you. When they pray towards this place and confess your name and turn from their sins. See, there's a turning from sins, which is the kind of repentance we hear. You have to stop stealing. Hmm? Then God will accept you. Stop fornicating, then God will accept you. When they confess your name and turn from their sin because you afflicted them. Verse 28. Then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your servants, your people Israel. That you may teach them the good way in which they should work. And send rain on their land which you have given to your people as an inheritance. 28, the last verse here, 28. When there is famine in the land, pestilence or blight or mildew, locusts or grasshoppers. When their enemies besiege them in the land of their cities, whatever plague or whatever sickness there is. You know. And then what? Yes, and then you read on and on and on. They have to pray. 
they have to turn, they have to leave the sin, then God will now hear, then God will now forgive, conditional forgiveness. What about chapter 6 of that same Chronicles? Second Chronicles, chapter 7, rather, verse 14. If my people, now listen, if my people who are called by my name, you know, we use this one in prayers. You know, the Bible says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and turn and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal them. And let's begin to pray. Let's humble ourselves before the Lord. Let's confess our sins. Let's seek the face of the Lord so that we will be forgiven. Which means that if you don't seek the face of God, if you are not humble, if you don't turn away from your sin, that means there's no forgiveness for you. What man will do? Conditional forgiveness. Hallelujah. Now, if you are smart enough, you know that we are not under the law. Amen? And for you to know that we are not under the law, which means that the confession of sin is not the condition for receiving forgiveness. Hello? Amen? Turning away from your sin, changing, uh, changing your way is not the condition for forgiveness of sin. Saying, henceforth, Lord, you know, today, I cease to smoke, then God will forgive you. That's not the condition for forgiveness of sin. Because this is a pattern under the law. Hallelujah. Good. I'm shaking some stones. I can feel in the atmosphere, spiritual, I could sense that a lot of people are beginning to question their ideology and their understanding of scriptures. We are here to restructure your thinking, your thinking about the scriptures. Hallelujah. So hold on. Be patient. Endure. Don't kill me. Don't stone me yet. Hmm? Wait to the end. Till we finish, we understand what confession of sin is by next week. You understand what repentance is by next week. And then your prayer life will change. Hallelujah. Amen. Under the law, offerings must be made as a condition, a prerequisite for the forgiveness of sin. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 19 to 22. Before God will forgive, they must offer a sacrifice. Hallelujah. They must give something. Amen. They must give an offering. So if somebody asks you to give an offering so that God will do something, tell him I am not under the law. Amen? Tell that man of God respectfully, I am not under the law. I am under what? I am under grace. Tell him the law has ended with Jesus Christ. Amen? So whatever God will do for you or has done for you is free of charge. It's a gift from God. Is a function of grace, not of what you will contribute. So let's look at this passage. You shall keep my statutes. You shall not let your livestock breed. This is part of the law. This is a law, actually. Some portion of the law. You shall keep my statutes. You shall not let your livestock breed with another kind. That means there is no mixed uh, animal. What do they call it? Mixed breeding. It's against the law. It's a sin under the law. You shall not sow your field with mixed seed, mixed cropping. Nor shall a garment of mixed linen and wool come upon you. A garment of what? Mix of linen and wool, right? You shall keep my... Yes, verse 20. Whoever lies carnally with a woman who is betrothed to a man as a concubine and who has not at all been redeemed nor, nor given her freedom... For this there shall be scorching. You know what is scorching? Under the law. What is scorching? Please. Let me know this. Give us a, a, another translation. Of this verse 20 alone. Then we come back to King James. So that we understand what is scorching is. Give us any simple translation. Does it explain that scorching for us? There shall be punishment after an investigation. Ah, no. Give me another one. This punishment is still ambiguous. Let's know what that scorching is. Another, maybe NLT. Right? He must pay in full. Ah, no, 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 no. 
No, they didn't, they didn't explain it. Scorching means, right, they'll flock you. Imagine you commit a sin. They will now bring you to church. I know Pastor Cousin would have loved to do this. Lie you down and give you some flogging. That's after due investigation under the law. Let's go back to our scripture. If this happens, there must be punishment, right? Kingdoms, please. But they will not be put to death because the woman was not free. New King James, New King James, verse 21, New King James. Yes, I'm in time. Yes, 21. And he shall bring his trespass offering. See, after the scorching, he shall bring a what? A trespass offering. Offer. I told you that under the law, forgiveness, you must offer an offering. Right? He shall bring his trespass offerings to the Lord, to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, a ram as what? As a trespass offering. How many of us have ever brought a ram in the church to ask God for forgiveness? So why is it that we want to keep some part of the law and neglect this very vital one that is very important? Amen. So he must bring a ram. Numbers chapter 15 verse 22 to 26. Numbers 15, 22 to 26. Numbers 15, 22 to 26. If you sin unintentionally, amen, you know, we used to pray, Lord, the sins I've committed intentionally or unintentionally. If you sin unintentionally and do not observe all these commandments which the Lord has spoken to Moses, right, and all that the Lord has commanded you by the hand of Moses, from the day the Lord gave the commandment and onward throughout your generation. You see, there's a demarcation. From the day the Lord gave the commandment, not before the Lord gave the commandment, from the day the Lord gave the commandment, right? And all that the Lord has commanded you by the hand of Moses from the day the Lord has commanded and onward through your generation, verse 24. Then it will be, if it is unintentionally committed, Without the knowledge of the congregation, that the whole congregation shall offer one young bull as a born word offering. This God loves barbecue. Hmm? Something small, you bring barbecue. <laughs> Without the knowledge of the congregation, but that the whole congregation shall offer one young bull as a burn offering, as a sweet aroma to where? To the Lord with grain offerings and his drink offerings. You eat, you drink, you marry. According to the ordinances and the and what? One kid of the gods as a sin offering. So the priest shall make atonement for the whole congregation of the children of Israel. And it shall be forgiven them. Why? Because they've offered an offering. Conditional forgiveness. For it was unintentional. It's unintentional. And you offer all these things. I didn't know that I've seen. And you offer all these offerings. A goat, a ram, grains, and all these things. <laughs> of Israel, and it shall be forgiven them. For it was unintentional. They shall bring their offering as an offering made by fire to the Lord. And their sin offering before the Lord. For what? For their unintended sin. Verse 26 here. It shall be forgiven the whole congregation. One person sin unintentionally, but look at what they will go through. And it shall be forgiven, be forgiven all the congregation of children of Israel and the stranger who dwells among them because all the people did it unintentionally. Hallelujah. Forgiveness of sin, sacrifice, offerings must be made as a prerequisite for the forgiveness of sins under the law. But before the law, we also said the sacrifice were offered, isn't it? Now, Men are accepted by God before the law. Then they make an offering. You see the difference? For example, now Genesis chapter 4 verse 1 and 5. We see that God had regard for who? For Abel. Right? Move down to verse 3. Yes. Verse 4. As, and Abel also brought an offering of his flock and of their 
flat, fatty, right? And the Lord respected Abel and what? And his offerings. Which means that, first of all, God has accepted Abel. Then he has the capacity now to give. So the opposite is under the law. You have to, be, you have to give an, a sacrifice before you be accepted to be made right. But before the law, you have to be accepted by God. Then you are qualified to give an offering. Hallelujah. So under the law, confession of sins must be done before obtaining forgiveness. You must confess first. If you confess, then God will forgive. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 13. Proverbs 28 verse 13. You see, this passage is what we use so much. Right? He who covers his sins will not prosper. Okay, what does it mean to prosper? You know that unbelievers, right, based on our definition of prosperity, they sin and they don't even feel that they've sinned and they're still prospering. Amen? Do you know that? So why would that be different for a believer? So that's not what is the reality, right, of the believer today. He who covers his sins will not prosper. But whoever what? Confesses. Now the condition is that whoever confesses and forsakes them will do what? Will have mercy. So mercy is dependent on confessing and forsaking. Before mercy is received. So if your idea that before God will forgive me, I have to confess and forsake my sin before God will forgive me. It means that you are still under the law. It means that you are not living under grace. Hallelujah. The confession of sins for forgiveness. Leviticus chapter 5 verse 1. Leviticus chapter 5, verse 1 to 6. says, if a person sins in the hearing, the utterance of an oath, that is, as a witness, you went to court. If a person sins in the hearing of, hearing the utterance of an oath, and is a witness whether he has seen or none of the matter, if he does not tell it, he bears guilt. Verse 2. Now the Lord called to... Leviticus chapter 5 verse 2. Or if a person touches any unclean thing, whether it is a carcass of an unclean beast or the carcass of an unclean livestock. There are even livestock that are unclean. Or the carcass of unclean creeping things and he is unaware of it. He also shall be unclean and guilty. Verse 3. Or if he touches human uncleanness, whatever uncleanness with which a man may be defiled, and he's unaware of it. When he realizes it, then he shall be what? He shall be guilty. Or if a person sways speaking, or if a person sways speaking thoughtlessly with his lips to do evil or to do good, whatever it is that a man may pronounce by an oath, and he is unaware of it, when he realizes it, then he shall be guilty in any of these matters. Verse 5. And it shall be when he is guilty in any of these matters, that he shall do what? He shall confess that he has seen in that thing. He has to confess that he has seen in that thing. Verse 6. And he shall bring his trespass offering. Confess, right? And bring trespass offering to the Lord for his sin which he has committed. A female from the flock a lamb or a kid of the goats as a sin offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him concerning his sin. Conditional forgiveness because he has sinned. He has to do this, do this, do this so that God will pardon. Jump to chapter 16 verse 21. Quickly. 16 verse 21. Leviticus 16 verse 21. Aaron shall lay his hand on the head of the live goat. Confess over it all the iniquities. So you see, confession, right, of sins. Confess all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgression concerning all their sins. I don't know how this is done. Can you remember all the sins that everybody did? Anyway, he confesses it on the, concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat and shall send it away into the wilderness. By the head of a suitable what? By the hand of a suitable man. Confession of sin. On the head. So you see in the law, right? 
It's pointing to Jesus, right? But it's revealing the guilt of man. But it's pointing to Jesus. Hallelujah. And then there are other scriptures as well. Like Numbers chapter 5 verse 7. You see? And let's, let's look at one in, in, in Matthew chapter 3 verse 5 to 6. Somebody will say, is Matthew under the law? Matthew is under the law. Amen. Matthew chapter 3 verse 5 to 6. Quickly. Matthew chapter 5 verse 3 to 6. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him. To who? To, to John, right? And were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. Confessing their sins. Why, were they conf Why was John baptizing and people confessing their sins? Because they were still under the law. Even Jesus Christ came under the law. So Jesus Christ will now teach them to confess their sins because they were under the law. Amen? So if you see the Lord's Prayer, as you call it the Lord's Prayer, our Father, who art in heaven, did, 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 you should know that that prayer is under the law. Are we together? Conditional forgive. Forgive us our sins as you what? That means that if you don't forgive, God will not forgive you. So your forgiveness is conditionally under the, the, the reality that you have to forgive first and God will forgive you. It's conditional. You have to do something before God will forgive. Jesus taught that under the law. Amen? What about David? David's confession, Psalms 32, verse 5. I acknowledge my sin. Mm. You know, some people, they have to cry. Eh? Before God will forgive. I'm preaching about sin and none of you is crying for his life. Are you serious with your eternal salvation? You're supposed to cry for your life. You have to feel sorry. See, feeling sorry hmm, does not make God forgive you. Amen? We don't get forgiven because we felt sorry. Which will mean that you as an individual do, do not forgive people because they are sorry. We'll come back to that later about how we will relate with each other. Hallelujah. But then, it's not, you, have, you don't have to, ad, you, it's not admitting your sin that makes you forgiven. Amen? This man under the law says, I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord. And you what? And you forgive the iniquity of my sin. Sila. Think about it. 38 verse 18, that seems, 38 verse 18, 38 verse 18, for I will declare my iniquity, I will be in anguish over my sin, I will be in distress over my sin, I will cry, I will fast over my sins, you know, cry for this thing I have done, for this lost, I will fast for 40 days. Then God will forgive me. Ah, I need to sow a seed. Ah, because of this wrong I've done. I need to sow a seed. You know. And you come to church. You kneel down before the pastor and lay an offering. Then you now go, yes. Now God can now forgive me. You're under the law. Amen. You're under the law. And again, under the law, people must turn away from their sins before God will forgive. I will not read this passage. We have Ezekiel chapter 18 verse 21 to 23. Ezekiel 18, 21 to 23. Zechariah 1, verse 3. People have to turn away from that. These people have to leave the sins that they are sinning. Then God will now see and say, ah, this person has turned away from sin. Now I can forgive. Hallelujah. So, primarily under the dispensation of the law, forgiveness of sins is very conditional to what man will do. Amen? So, if you think or you are behaving or the theology you have at the back of your mind is that you have to act so that God will act, then you are under law, under the law. What you are saying is that you don't believe in what Christ has done. What you are saying is that you don't believe in the sacrifice of Jesus. What you are saying is that what Christ did is not enough to, to secure my forgiveness. What you are declaring by that attitude is you are denying what Christ has done. 
Amen? You are denying the sacrifice. Then why did, why will Christ come then if you have to be doing things so that God will forgive you? Then why do we need Christ? You're, you're living in unbelief. That's unbelief. That's unbelief. That means that you are rendering the work of Christ insufficient. That means that Christ didn't offer a perfect sacrifice. That you need to you need to garnish it with your own works to make it acceptable to God. Conclusively, before the introduction of the law, forgiveness before the introduction of the law, forgiveness was a gift of grace received by faith during the era of the law and men were obligated to do something to obtain the forgiveness of sins. Now, hallelujah, they offered a sacrifice for the forgiveness of sin. Amen. Let's rise on our feet. Let's rise, let's rise, let's rise, let's rise. Rise on our feet. Say now. Say now. Jesus is my sacrifice. Hallelujah. You can rise up with your book. Rise up with your book. Rise up with your book if you are writing. Say, Jesus is my sacrifice. Romans of the 8th verse 3, quickly. Jesus is my sacrifice. We're going to see it. I'm not going to say it alone. But whatever we say, we must see and say what the scripture is saying. Hallelujah. Romans of the 8th verse 3, quickly. Jesus is our sacrifice. We no longer have to offer a sacrifice or an offering. Jesus is our offering. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by what? By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on the account of what? Of sin. He condemns him in what? In the flesh. Jesus came on the account of sin. Jesus came as a sacrifice for sin. Jesus came as the one, as the offering for sin. Hallelujah. So we no longer have to offer to be forgiven. Because the eternal sacrifice has already been offered. Amen? Amen. We don't have to confess. Jesus is our confession. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 10 verse 8 to 11. Confession of sin is no longer the reality of the believer in Christ. But what do we confess? We confess Jesus. Romans chapter 10 verse 8. From verse 8. It says, the, but what does it say? What does the scripture say? The word is near you in your mouth. And in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. Right? Verse 9. That if you confess, what? Now look at it. In the epistles in the New Testament era, confession, you will never see where confession is confession of sin. Wherever you see confession, confession is used in entirety of the epistles as a positive. I know somebody will be thinking of John, 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. We will trash this at a later time. That if you confess with your mouth the word, the Lord Jesus, confess your sins. What do you confess? What is your confession? What is our sacrifice? What is our confession? If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and do what? And believe in your heart that what? That God raised him from the dead. You will what? You will be saved. Verse 10. Verse 10. For with the heart one believes unto what? Unto righteousness, you believe and you are forgiven and you are righteous. Hallelujah. And with the mad confession is made unto salvation. The confession unto salvation is confessing Christ. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him, on him, will not be put to shame. Hallelujah. Our forgiveness is not by what we can do. The sacrifice is Jesus. The offering is Jesus. Our confession is Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2. 2 verse 8 to 9. Our forgiveness is not by what we can do. So we don't do anything to be forgiven. Hallelujah. Isn't that the good news? We don't do anything to be forgiven. For by what? Let's read this together. For by what? Want to go. For by grace you have been true word. And that not of your. It is a word. It is what? What is a gift? Do you buy a gift? How many of you go to a shop and you buy a gift for yourself? It's no longer a gift. You bought it. That's an irony. You're lying to yourself. It's not a gift. If you can pay for it, it's not a gift. A gift is that it's without charge. 
discount is not given. The gospel is not discount. It's not that God has discounted our salvation. It's not in dream. Amen? It's fully paid, eternally paid. Hallelujah. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is what? It is a gift of God. It's a gift from God. Verse 9. Look at verse 9 very well. Not of what? Not of anything you can do. Not of what you can do. Lest anyone should say what? I was forgiven because I did this thing. Hallelujah. But we receive it by faith. Hallelujah. We can rejoice in this reality. We can rejoice in this reality. If they give you a gift hmm, of a car, some of you will roll and scream and shout and rejoice. But you've been given a gift that no money on earth can buy. And I say, I beg you to rejoice. And you're rejoicing as if you paid for it. Hallelujah. If you don't rejoice, I'm not leaving this pulpit. Hallelujah. Glory! Amen. Next week, we'll look at confession and repentance. Who will be ready for next week? Amen. You will understand what confession of sin is and what repentance is. And I trust God that our lives will never be the same again. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to our sermon today. We hope you were blessed by this teaching. If you want to learn more about our church, please visit our website or follow us on social media. We would love to connect with you and hear your feedback. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast channel and share it with your friends and family. You never know who might need a word of encouragement.